Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. I want to read a passage of scripture here that you're going to be familiar with that I read last week. And I'm going to continue a sermon that I began last week entitled The Sound of Freedom. The Sound of Freedom. The Sound of Freedom is our song of praise to God. I believe that when God was speaking to me about this coming year that he gave this word to me, freedom. And, uh, and so I've been teaching on that. I've been preaching on that for the last couple of weeks. Freedom is the power or right to think, speak, and act as one wants without restraint or without hindrance. The apostle Paul said, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 it is for freedom that Christ set us free Jesus's ministry was to come and to set the captive free to proclaim the year of the Lord and so we see in the life and ministry of Jesus and his continued ministry through the work of the Holy Spirit that he has come that we might be free and that we might be free indeed that we might be able to live a life where we have the power and the right to think, speak, and act without hindrance or reservation. The Lord wants us to be free in Him. He wants us to live a full and satisfied life that nothing would hold us back or keep us or bind us up or uh, be something that we habitually struggle with that we cannot rise above and overcome. The Lord has come that we might be free and experience a freedom that is undeniable. The Lord gave me that adjective to describe this type of freedom that we're going to experience this year. It's going to be an undeniable freedom, which means this, that it is unable to be disputed, and it's observably true. How many of y'all are believing for God to set you free, set some family members free, be free of some situations, some habits, some hang-ups, some hang-ons, some things that you just can't shake with, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you plan, no matter how much you work at it, you want to be free this year. Does anybody want to be free this year in Jesus' name? You've got some things that you're believing the Lord for, and he wants to set you free from it. I want you to invite the God of freedom to set you free. The God of freedom, he is the God who lives to set us free. And so we talked about in our first week in this collection of teaching, Pastor Sarah taught about it, and it was that confession, uh, confession which is the starting point of freedom. Confession in, in this, that if you will confess the Lord Jesus Christ believe, Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you will confess your sins to God, right, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness talked about the power of confession, which is the starting point of freedom. And then we talked about examination in terms of uh, the scriptures. The truth of God's word is what sets us free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. In a culture of lies and a culture of confusion and a culture of distortion, what is the truth? The truth is the word of the living God, and it's the truth that Jesus declared the word of God was. He said, sanctify them by, your, by the truth. Your word is truth. It's the truth of the word of God that sets us free, and that's the search for the scripture. We talked about the starting point, the search for the scripture. Uh, the week after, we talked about declaration, which is a statement of freedom. 
and Christ has come to set us free and we need to declare the freedom that he has provided for us. Our declarations determine our destiny. We talked about how our words have incredible power. Life and death are in the power of the words that we speak. And so you can go back and find uh, these sermons and listen to them, and I encourage you to do so. Last week I began this message uh, entitled Celebration, the, the, the Sound of Freedom. There's a sound of freedom that we enter into when we walk into this spiritual realm of undeniable freedom. There's a sound that comes forth from our hearts, and it's our song of praise. It's not just a sound that comes forth from us individually, but it's a sound that God wants to come forth from our church collectively, as a group, as a people, as a people who are living in this undeniable freedom. And so we go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, a familiar passage uh, for you. But we're going to read it again as if God is uh, speaking to us, even in this moment, which I know he is, something new and something fresh to us. Our notes uh, for this message on the Victory Church app encourage you to uh, follow along there. Just give you a little bit of context here that leads up to verse 19. In Acts chapter 16, uh, the apostles are preaching and teaching Uh, They're sharing the gospel in every city and every town, and the gospel is expanding. The gospel being the message of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sin as provided through Jesus as we uh, believe it, receive it by grace through faith to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. The gospel that they were going from town to town and preaching. And they got to a place, a town, a city named Philippi. This was the second missionary journey. Paul and his companion Silas were there. They're preaching the gospel. They're going in the city, and they're, they're going to a place of prayer every single day, and they're making uh, disciples. And they get to, as they were going to this place of prayer, uh, they encounter this woman who was a slave girl. She had masters that had kept her in slavery, and she had a gift to be able to tell the future. The scripture says that she was actually possessed by a spirit, by an evil spirit, and she was, uh, the scriptures say, harassing Paul and Silas every day. And Paul and Silas, day after day, this goes on day after day after day, Paul gets annoyed, he gets frustrated with this lady, and he's had enough of it. So he turns to her and he says, come out. And he cast the demon out of this young lady. She has set free in that moment and she no longer can bring profit to her masters. So these men that were her slave owners are pretty upset about it. We pick up um, the story in verse 19. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us as Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and to be beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I was reading this passage this week. It kind of struck me as I was reading it. Man, I've had some difficult days in life. I've been had moments that I was misunderstood, moments where I knew people would talk about me or didn't do what you know I had hoped they would do. I've had disappointments. 
but I don't think I've ever had a mob formed against me. This is a bad day in the life of these men right here. They were severely beaten. And they're in the inner dungeon of this prison in Philippi. And they clamp their feet in the stocks. And let's read about what happened in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were griping and complaining about their situation. No, it doesn't say that's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. I was like, oh man, like they were praying and praising and singing to God. I want to point out that this is a type of situation where, listen, these guys were beaten and bloodied and bruised. They were emotionally distraught. They were even probably spiritually asking God, like, what's going on? We're trying to do your will, Lord. We're out here preaching the gospel. We're following your will and your plan for our life. And here we are in the prison, in the innermost prison, and we're shackled. And they find themselves in this situation. And the scripture says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas probably can hardly even raise their hands to God. Probably difficult to even sing unto God beaten, bloodied, battered, discouraged, maybe, frustrated. They began singing hymns to God and praying, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation, and the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. This is the sound of freedom, which is your song of praise. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. You know, I want to share this text, put a title to this text here today, share with you this message entitled The Sound of Freedom. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege, the opportunity to gather around your word today. I'm asking, Lord, for you to do what I cannot do, which is to change hearts and change lives in this moment. Holy Spirit, come move upon each and every one of us, Lord. Let us not be the same as we leave this place, but Lord, let your presence change us and set us free, God, from the inside out. Help us to understand the power of our song, the power of our praise that sets us free. Father, we thank you for this, what you're going to do. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 As I study scripture, there's a few things that happen that I found out when we praise God. And when I say when we praise God, I'm not talking about that portion of the worship set on Sunday where it's like upbeat and you're clapping and upbeat. I'm talking about praise and worship. I'm talking about us lifting up our voice and song and devotion to God. I'm talking about the sound of praise. And as I study the scripture, I find that there are a few things that happen when we praise God. And the first thing that I found that happens when we praise God is that God's presence is revealed. God's presence is revealed. This is the presence of our praise. Our praise attracts God's presence. When they praised, God showed up. 
So when their praises went up, God showed up in their situation. How many of you need God to show up in your situation today? If you want God to show up in your situation, then you need to let your praise go up before the throne of God. Because when you praise him, he shows up. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. There is the presence of God that shows up when you praise God. There's a difference, though, in the scripture when you're talking about the presence of God. There's various aspects to the presence of God. There's the omnipresence of God, which is the theological term that means that God is everywhere at all times at the same time, right? It's the omnipresence of God. Jeremiah talks about this in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. Who can hide in the secret places that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? We find out about the omnipresence of God in Psalm chapter 139. Where can I go from your spirit or where from your presence? If I go into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. That's incredibly comforting because no matter what you're going through today, no matter what troubles, no matter what problems, no matter what dilemmas, no matter what diagnosis, no matter what is going on and struggles and challenges that's going on in your life today, God is with you. God is with you. Through his omnipresence, this is what's known in theology as God's common grace. So even if you are not a believer, a follower of Jesus, God's common grace is extended to you through his omnipresence. But there is a special presence in your life when you accept Jesus into your life and make him your Savior and your Lord. It's called the indwelling presence of God. In other words, Jesus said, uh, I'm not going to be with you much longer, my disciples, but uh, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will live on the inside of you. It's a great truth and understanding and and an amazing reality that we have through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit that on the day of Pentecost that God sent his Spirit to indwell us as followers of Jesus. And so God's indwelling presence lives with us. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. God is present inside of every believer, but this particular passage that I'm sharing with you today is another presence of God altogether. It's known as the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when God makes evident or certain or known by showing up or displaying. I'll explain it like this. I love my kids, Anthony and Ava. I love them no matter what they do, no matter what they say. I love them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I love them every day of the week. They're my kids. I love them. And because I love them, it's like my love for them is omnipresent. I always love them. But there are times and situations that I manifest my love to them uniquely and specifically, right? When I give them a hug, when I encourage them with my words, right? When I help them in a situation, when I purchase maybe a gift for them, I am manifesting my love for them in a unique and special way. This is what God did for us through Jesus. God loved the world, humanity in general and collectively, 
But individually, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, every individual that might receive him should have everlasting life. And this is not only just the omnipresence of God, but the manifest and indwelling presence of God. We see the manifest presence of God here in this passage. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life absent from the presence of God. I need the presence of God every day in my life. I can't live without it. I don't want to live without it. I don't want to do anything else without it. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, is what the Israelites said, we don't want to go. Go with us. But there's a difference between knowing God intellectually and knowing God experientially. Knowing God experientially is through his manifest presence. When the presence of God comes and demonstrates and makes himself known and reveals himself to us. When we praise him, when we worship him, when we lift up our voice of praise to God, God uniquely comes and manifests himself in our lives. When we praise, it's almost as if we create an atmosphere where God says, I am welcome in that place. I'm going to come and move and make myself known in that place when my people will begin to praise me and to lift up a praise that I'm worthy of. This is the manifest presence of God that we see in this passage. There's a few blessings or benefits to the presence of God, the manifest presence of God in your life. The manifest presence of God brings peace to chaos. John chapter 20, verse 19, let me read it to you. The disciples had, Jesus had just died, and now the disciples are gathered in the upper room. And on that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, in other words, it was chaotic, it was fearful. It was a situation where they did, it was uncertain, there was uncertainty. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, the manifest presence of God. Peace with you, he said. The manifest presence of God blesses us with peace for our chaos. The manifest presence of God uh, brings joy to our sadness. We read, continue to read in that passage, joy to our sadness. We see the joy of the Lord that is in his presence. It says, as he spoke... Jesus showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I love, they could have, he could have said they were filled with amazement, they were filled with gratitude. No, they were filled with joy. Joy is a benefit or a blessing of the manifest presence of God. It's joy for your sadness. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was full of joy when I knew that I was going to go to church and to be in the presence of God. I was full of joy. Isaiah chapter 61 says it this way. Isaiah said he was going to provide Jesus, the presence of God, was going to provide joy for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. You can exchange. I like that trade-off. I like that exchange. God is saying we can bring our sadness, we can bring our sorrow, we can bring our disappointment, we can bring our troubles, and when we bring it to him and we lift up a praise to him, he exchanges that sorrow for a garment of praise. Our praise brings the presence of God. Another benefit or blessing to the presence of God is that it brings power to our weakness. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus predicted, he prophesied, he said, 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my disciples. Whereas before they were filled with uh, fear and worry and doubt, now they were filled with Holy Spirit power on the day of Pentecost when God sent his spirit to live in their heart. And notice not only what happened when they praised God, but I want you to see when they praised God. They praised the Lord in the midnight hour. Midnight was the darkest moment of the night. It was that time where they were most sorrowful, that they were most disappointed. It was, they were in most, the most pain. It was the darkest point. They didn't know where else to go. There was a lot of uncertainty. They began to praise God in the midnight hour. It's important that you praise God in the midnight hour. Why? Because God has something yet still to come when you praise him, when you involve and you invite his presence into your midnight hour. You see, praise isn't what we do uh, to after God performs what we're asking him to do. Praise is not something that we do once we see the results of what we're praying for. You know, that blessing or that, that spouse or that promotion on that job or that healing that we're believing for. We don't praise God once it happens. We praise God in advance. Praise comes first. Praise comes first. Praise is not, um, it's not something that we do in response to the answer to our prayer, but it's something that we do in advance of our prayer. They didn't praise God uh, when the prison doors were open or when the chains came off them. They praised them in advance. This is incredibly instructive for us because we like to praise God after we see what we're asking for. But praise is not the byproduct of freedom. Praise is the predecessor to freedom. And so we praise God in advance. And I told you last week, I gave this word that I believe it was for somebody. It was a prophecy. You're getting ready to go from your PM to your AM. Midnight, the midnight hour is when you go from PM to AM. God is getting ready to turn things around in your situation. Will you begin to praise him in advance for the victory and for the freedom and for the blessing that he is bringing into your life even in advance? Somebody need to take a minute right now and give God praise in advance for what God is getting ready to do in your life. This is why I believe Paul and Silas could say that, that, that they could praise God even in that midnight hour, because I believe they reflected on Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. They would know this passage of, passage of Scripture. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You're getting ready to go from your PM to your AM. God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life. Can you trust him for it? Can you believe him for it? Can you praise him in advance for what he's getting ready to do? When we praise, the presence of God is revealed in our life. But I also noticed another thing that happens when we begin to praise God is that God's power is released. Not only is God's presence revealed, but his power is, re is released. Now, when the praises go up, God shows up. But God not only shows up when the praises go out, he also shows out. Come on. When he shows up, he has the ability and the power to do what he wants to do to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life. And notice the chains, they might have held uh, Paul and Silas in that jail, but the chains could not hold God outside of that jail cell. And I'm telling you today, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what your problem is, no matter what difficulty you're going through, the chains might be strong enough to hold you, but they're not strong enough to hold your God from breaking you 
free. Begin to praise God even in the prison. Begin to praise God even in the midnight hour. Begin to praise God even in advance because praise opens the doors. Praise moves the mountains. Praise invites God's presence into your situation. And when his presence comes into your situation, he is able to show forth his power in your life. Come on, give him praise for his power that is being released in your life today. But don't get it twisted. (laughs) It wasn't the praise of Paul and Silas. It wasn't my praise and it wasn't your praise. It wasn't the strength of our praise, but it was the strength of what they did in praising God that invited the power of God into their situation. There was nothing special per se about the beautiful voice of Paul and Silas. Some of y'all look around and you say, I'm glad about that because I sing good in the shower. I do too. I sound like boys to men up in the shower. That's my, that's my group. I sound just like them. But when I come out the shower, I don't sound as good. And some of y'all don't sound as good when you're singing to the Lord. But the Lord says, make a joyful noise unto me. How many of y'all can do that? Everybody can do that here in this place. And that's what it means when we offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. You know, sometimes we're going through it. We're going through trouble. We're going through difficulty. We're going through hell. We're struggling. People are not doing what we want them to do or what we need them to do. Our kids are going nuts. And we just got to come into the house of the Lord and we got to give them praise anyway. Because how many of you know that God is good no matter what is not good in my life? How many of you know that God is working all things together for the good to those who love him and that are called according to your his purpose. So although it might not be good, God is working it out for your good. You might as well go ahead and give him praise in advance and thank him that he's working in your life. And when you praise him, he shows up and he shows out. He's showing out in my life today. I just declare it over myself. James chapter four, verse eight says that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And the problem is, though, that we allow our problem to establish authority over our praise. Instead, we need to enthrone God. That's what the Scripture teaches in Psalm, in another translation, Psalm chapter 22, verse 3. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. In other words, when we begin to praise God, right, we allow him the rule and the reign and the power and the authority over our problems, over our life, over our situations. What happens when we're constantly complaining? What happens when we're constantly talking about our problem or when we're, you know, we're we're frustrated with our situation, we're talking about our situation, our problem, and the things that aren't going right? We're giving those things the authority in our life. We need to begin to praise God and enthrone him and give him the authority to rule and reign over each and every situation and trial and trouble in our life. By doing this, we're not only just singing songs up on a screen, but we're declaring who he is over our life. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is who you are. The Apostle Paul and Silas, they could have come into that situation. They could have complained about everything that was not good in their life. But what did they begin to do? They began to declare the goodness, the faithfulness, the mercy, the power of God, the ability of God. And as they began to do that, God began to set them free from the things that confined them. They also, not only did they make a declaration, but they also remembered who God was. 
We need to remember who God is in our life and in spite of our situation. Who is he? He's almighty God. He's the God who formed and fashioned and created the heavens and the earth by the power of his word. He's the God whom the scriptures say nothing is impossible with him. He's the God that parted the Red Sea. He's the God that closed the mouth of the lions. He's the God who sent fire and power from heaven to come into the lives of his people to give them power to be witnesses. He's the God who breaks the chains. Come on. He's the God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. He's the God who can heal. He's the God who can save. He's the God who can deliver. When we begin to declare what he can do, we're also reminding ourselves of who he is. We have to remember who he is, who he is, who he is, and enthrone his authority over our life problems and situations. And so when we praise God, the power of God is released in our life. And finally, not only when we praise God is his presence revealed in our life, but his power is released in our life. But finally, When we praise God, our praise prepares us for our future. God's people are readied. God's people are readied, right, when we praise God. He prepares us for our future. To be readied or to be prepared, you must have a place of preparation. How could Paul and Silas praise God in that prison cell, in that midnight hour, How could they do it? Here's how they could do it. You go back in verse 16, in Acts chapter 16. One day, as they were going down to the place of prayer. In other words, they had cultivated a space and a place for God so that no matter what place they found themselves, they could pull out the weapon called praise and use it in that place. This is powerful for us today. Paul and Silas could praise in that place because he had a place in their life. We need to create a place in our life, in our relationship with Jesus, where we are praisers, where we are worshipers, where we are people who are grateful for all that God has done. And as we do that, God is preparing us for what he's prepared for us. As they were going to the place of prayer, and I I associate that with a place of praise as well. It's just simply a a place where you meet with God, where you devote yourself to the Lord. And sometimes, man, when I'm praying, I just might have a a song that just comes straight into my heart. I begin to sing that praise to the Lord. I begin to lift up that prayer to the Lord. And they found themselves in a prison. The way that they could praise God in the prison was because they had already created a place for God, a place of praise in their heart even before they got to the prison. You and I need to make room, we need to make a place for praise in our life. Does praise, so the question bears asking, does praise have a place in your life today? Does praise have a place in your life? Like beyond this moment, like this is great. This moment's great. Coming to church on Sunday and we gather together and we sing and we praise. But beyond this moment, like more than just today, more than in this, just this hour, have you cultivated, have you created a place in your life where you worship God? There's two areas in which praise stand out in the Bible and worship. I want to point this out to you that praise is not only private. Praise is private is the first thing. You have to have your own personal, individual worship life, right? You can't just gather here on a Sunday. 
and eat one time Sunday morning and expect to be strong throughout the week. You have to cultivate a personal, a private prayer life. And also I noticed the other thing about the place of praise is that praise is public. It's what we do together in a community. And both are critical. They're not optional. It's not like you could do one without the other because they both feed each other. So as we gather together collectively in the public place of praise, we should be bringing and developing and cultivating a place of praise from our own private life. So when we get in here, it doesn't matter the song we sing, whether we like it or not, whether it's the tempo, whether the person up here hits the right notes. No, our praise is not for them. It's not for us. Our praise is unto God. It's not about you and me. It's about him. And so as we come together, we're ready to give God praise corporately because we've already praised privately. But when we come corporately, we gather together, we sing the praises of God, we begin to declare the goodness of God, we sing together. It feeds now into my private, personal, devotional life. So as a result of what we're doing here collectively, tomorrow I should be, today, throughout the day, I should be now developing and cultivating a place of praise in my individual private life. Does that make sense? This is powerful here because we see Paul had Silas. Silas had Paul. In other words, they weren't praising God privately, but they praised God together. It's important that you and I have people in our life that we will praise God together with. You know why? Because sometimes it doesn't say here in the scripture, I don't know, perhaps, perhaps one of them, either Paul or Silas was like, man, I don't want to praise. I don't feel like praising God, man. You just beat the mess out of us, you know. I'm laying here, I'm hurting, my side hurts, you know, and, and I got blood coming down, but maybe, maybe Silas said, Paul, come on. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Maybe Silas said to Paul, come on, get up, Paul. God inhabits the praises of his people. Has God not been good to us? Come on, let's stand up on our feet and begin to praise the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come on, let's begin to worship. You know what? When you praise, you can stand up. Yeah, all across this room. When, we, when you praise God, here's the deal. We're going to put into practice what we're preaching here right now. But when you praise God, I don't know if that was a sign that y'all wanted me to be done. But when we, <laughs> when we praise God, we surround people. We create an atmosphere of the people in our life that have an effect over our life. The people that are in your life have an effect over your life. Surround yourself with people who created a place of praise for God. And when we praise God, we experience the presence of God. And I don't know about you, I can't live without his presence. I don't want to live without his presence. His presence is better than Disney World. His presence is better than the Super Bowl. Come on, his presence is better than any experience you could have in this life. His presence is greater than any other thing. I need his presence in my life. Parents, I just want to encourage you. The Lord told me to share this with you as I was praying. Let me just tell you and encourage you, great job of being here today and getting your kids in the presence of God today, right? The most important thing that you can do for your children is to get them into the presence of God. More important than their education, 
more important than them making the sports team. Thank God we got upward sports. We got little leagues. You got your child on the, at four years old. You got them doing traveling teams. I mean, they're going to be a major league player, right? That's great. But don't forget, you got to prepare them because one day they're going to stand before the Lord. And when they stand before the Lord, the Lord's not going to ask them, hey, how good were you on that team or how good were your grades? The only qualification for standing there, forgiven before the Lord, what did you do with Jesus? The most important thing that we can do is get them into the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. And that's what we're committed as a church to do, to get every generation into the presence of the Lord because there is a sound of praise that God wants to hear. Jesus said, I am looking. The Father is seeking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what we're committed to do, is to create a place at Victory Church here that God is welcome in our praise. And if you'll begin to declare the praises of God in your situation, if you will lift him up, if you'll lift up your hands, lift up your heart, lift up your voice and begin to praise the Lord. Amen. I believe that something supernatural is happening and taking place in the unseen realm. I believe that God is breaking the shackles off. He's opening prison doors. He's moving mountains. He's doing the undoable. He's saving the unsavable. He's healing the unhealable. He's changing, come on, the unchangeable. He's freeing those that are unfreeable. He's doing the impossible as we invite his presence into this place as we praise God today. And as we sing our song of praise, we experience a sound of freedom. So I'm going to invite our team to come. We have some prayer team people that are going to come for today. Maybe you've got some things in your life that you need to be set free from. You've got some things you've been struggling with. You've got some things that have been holding on to you that today they need to be let go. They need to let go of you in Jesus' name. And I declare that you are free and you are free indeed, free to live the life of undeniable freedom that God has called you to. But you know where that first happens, where that first takes place? Sirs, tell me what I must do to be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.